Ticats this week. I'm RJ Bridehead. He's Luke Tasker. We're the broadcast team on Ticats Audio Network. Looking forward to the next Tiger Cats game on Friday, August 27th in Montreal. Of course, that'll be on Ticats Audio Network. And for Ticats this week, we're going to preview the upcoming games. Now, this is a little bit different because it is a bye week, so we're kind of more looking back at the past two weeks. But Thursday, August 26th, on the next edition of Ticats this week, we should have a lot more information and really focus on that Montreal game. Luke, how are you doing? Doing well, RJ. I'm uh, excited to get back into the booth with you next week and and to get back into some Ticats football. Um, sort of, I mean, it was a interrupted our uh, you know early years of uh, broadcasting together here this bye week did but very timely for the Ticats I mean that was it was a tough start to the season and and I think that this this bye week is probably going to be a, a chance to just take a breath here and, and sort of reestablish what what the Ticats are about where they want to go and, and the changes that they want to make um, it's interesting I was talking with Andy Fantuz earlier this week 2014, a team that Andy and I were both a part of, of course, uh, we started off in a very similar way and ended up going to the Grey Cup, actually, by chance. But we had two losses that were both away games, followed by a bye week. Um, in fact, that year, actually, we still struggled after the bye week. But like I said, ended up at, uh, in Vancouver for the Grey Cup that year. The the season's long, and there, and every team you're watching in, you know, November, October, and it seems like the, seems like these are different teams than you started watching back in the summer months of football. I think that's hopefully the story that that, that the Ty Cats are going to, going to paint as well, where you get to that place and you're, you know, I remember uh, Jeff Reinbold or, or uh, Coach O putting on film at, at at later times in the season of those first games that you played and some of the mistakes that you made and the inefficiencies that you had. And, it's, and the message is sort of look at, look at where we've, look at what we are now and, and where we've come. And I could see, you know, I, I think that's, I think that's hopefully what we're going to be seeing in the, in the coming months of football from the Ticats. Yeah. In a weird way, I see it as a positive, the 0-2 start. You never want to be 0-2. That's bottom line, but it is what it is. That's what's happened. You go to Winnipeg, the defending Grey Cup champions. You go to Saskatchewan. Those are maybe the two toughest places to play. And, and the stadiums were packed, around 30,000 people. So that makes it difficult going in. Those games, no matter where they are in the schedule for any team, no matter how good the opposition is, they are games that it's not a surprise if you lose because Bombers and Riders are both very good and both – really, really good at home. So there's no false sense of who the Tiger Cats are. If they had a, a game where they weren't at the best and won one of those, maybe that mentally they think, well, you know what, we can just go in and win football games. But now nobody's happy, no player, no coach, a lot of work being done. And the bye week gives them some time to regroup and do that work. So it is an 0-2 start, but maybe the schedule is is going to work out. And we'll have to see on Friday, August 27th, when they play in Montreal, just to see if there is some some improvement. But it's uh, it, it was a tough schedule. No matter yeah. how you sliced or diced it, it was going to be two tough games to, for the for the Tiger Cats to win. So here's their scenario, and now they have to do the work. Yep, exactly. I, you could see this kind of coming, not the losses, but you can see the the difficulty of the schedule right when it came out, you know, before the season starts, when nobody knows who's going to be, who's going to be playing well and not. I mean, to go out West 
not to mention, and then, you know, Sask especially with just the sound. And yes, it was a small crowd there, uh, you know, historically speaking for Sask, but that's still a lot of people who jammed into the stadium. And that is just not an easy, easy way to start off the season. And even so, everybody had picked the Ticats for week one against Winnipeg. Um, but just very, very challenging. And now to then, again, finish up this bye week and still to be on the road. And, and you know, this, the first home game is just, you know, still still days and weeks away. It's just not an easy thing to do. And on top of all of that, Sask was obviously operating at a pretty high efficiency in that week, in their week one game where they scored some 28 or something unanswered points to start. Yes, that got interesting at the end there with BC uh, before Sask ended up uh, get, getting the victory, but they were operating at a high, at a, at a high level. And then that, and that home game was timely for their schedule as well. So I think that you can, you can reason some, you call them excuses or just reasons why this, this was a difficult. And certainly that's not the mentality that in my experience, coach O brings into there. There's no excuses. I don't know if coach O has ever had an excuse leave his mouth. I just, that's not his nature. Um, his big thing is that you get to, not got to, right? You get to go out West for two games to start the season off and, and give a chance. And though that didn't go the right way, well, now you get to have enjoy a bye week as well. So it's time to sort of draw a line in the sand. It's time to, you know, I, I think that they're going to take their pick of things that they want to um, make some tangible corrections to as we move forward. And, and we'll, we'll see what, we'll see how, how beneficial this week was when we, uh, when we uh, watch this Montreal game coming up. Luke, one glaring statistic are the turnovers. Nine of them in the two games, 24 points Saskatchewan scored off those turnovers. Turnovers are fixable, aren't they? So I actually love the way that you phrase that because some, sometimes I think it gets confused. It's a, a fumble almost seems to some people like just a natural happening, an uncontrollable factor in the game. It is coachable and it is touched on by the Ticats every year. I remember I – remember in our special teams meetings, I can just picture it right now that a running back coach or Tommy Condell explaining and literally showing with football in his hand, how we do this. You'd think, you know, they probably don't talk about that in pro football, right? This is like you teach kids how to carry the football, but after that, it just is a natural thing. Not the case. It is honest, honest to goodness. It's a coached, it's a coached skill to maintain ball security. I specifically remember being used as the example boy of poor ball security many times in week one of training camp, and they show pictures of the previous year where guys are running and the ball is out wide of their body. They're making a move, and for some reason, I feel like my picture was often picked for that for the bad ball security. But then, you know, every now and again, you you, you get one where they they show that you know iron cross or capping a football different terminology for it, but it is absolutely coached on. And after a week with six turnovers, guaranteed, they're talking about it. There's even sometimes you, there are drills that you can do on the field where you're practicing, just maintaining that, you know, cross, uh, you know, iron cross as you run through traffic. hundred uh, percent, it's a coachable factor. To your point, very impactful in the game. We had six turnovers. The Ticats had six turnovers. The a, a very uh, intimate statistic with that is also explosive plays. So Tommy Condell referred to it as the toxic ratio of your number of explosive plays and your net turnovers. So uh, if you turn the ball over once and the opposing team turns over, turns the ball over twice, you have, you have that net two positive in the turnover ratio. 
And then you add your explosive plays to that. And the statistics of winning a game when you're winning that toxic ratio are re really, really telling. So the Ticats have struggled with their explosive plays and in Sask especially, uh, you know, particularly struggled with the turnovers as well. It's just not easy to do. I mean, it's just two very tangible items to focus on. And like you said, it is coachable. They're going to spend time on both of those things. The explosive play category, that's a little bit more complex, right? There's a lot of things that go into that. And explosive plays can be measured in the run game and in the uh, passing game. Uh, but but and, and, and those will be addressed as well. Um, 100% if we could see that ratio flip in a positive way, the winning is going to appear to the to the viewer on TV. It'll appear to have come easier. If you're going to win a game and you're losing that toxic ratio, it is a grind of a football game, and it is statistically unlikely. Through the first couple of games, the, the run game hasn't been uh, a real threat for the Tiger Cats. I think 100 yards combined between four or five different guys. But they were up against two really good run defenses in Winnipeg and, and Saskatchewan. But going forward, Luke, how important is it to establish that running game as a threat? Yeah, it's a it's a interesting part of the CFL, uh, the the run games. Winnipeg won uh, the Grey Cup last year with a, with a really really strong run game uh, that that was an important piece of their offense and production. Everybody likes to pass. I wanted the I wanted the pass place to be called when I was playing. Uh, it's exciting to watch. It's exciting to to play like that. I can tell you this perspective from an offense from the offensive lineman on the field. It was every year they loved, they played well when the when the run game was strong. Offensive linemen, it helps, it helps an offensive lineman pass protect when they have when they have the run game threat. When that defensive line knows that a team is going to pass the ball, they're taking off a little bit differently. They know the first step of that offensive lineman is going to be backwards into a pass set. That's not an easy place to play football from when you when the one-on-one -on -one matchup that you have knows what your first step is going to be. In that run, if the run game is aggressive and productive, offensive linemen are taking a step aggressively forward uh, to go attack, to go separate, to go push apart. It helps them mentally throughout the game. It helps them manage their own uh, their own protections, and it also helps receivers as well when they know that. Physically, there's going to be times where they're not going to be running a true route. They, in the same way as the offensive linemen, there are going to be plays where they can aggressively go get somebody to block as opposed to always trying to avoid. It just, it just helps everybody manage the, the offensive production and the flow. A few explosive run games in Montreal, excuse me, a few, a few explosive run plays in Montreal would be a great thing to see. Looking forward to our next Ticats this week. That will be on Thursday, August the 26th, just before the game against Montreal on Friday, August the 27th. So we'll be able to preview that game for you on Ticats this week on the Ticats Audio Network.